You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM, and we are speaking to Margaret Adovgal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. And this week's topic is 2022 and summary, end of year roundup in politics, business, and innovation. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Good to be here. So let's start off, Margaret, with this. It's been a busy year, and as top of business and market news, what's been happening in Canada and around the globe? I would say the markets as a whole have not done phenomenally over the course of the year. With looming inflation, the U.S. has been easing off of what we call quantitative easing. And some commentators refer to that as the U.S. Treasury money printer going burr. Uh, but of course, this shift to quantitative tightening, so uh, less of uh, uh, quantitative easing, means that there's overall less cash flowing around in the world's largest economy and globally, as many other major markets uh, follow the U.S. And with the exception of a couple of heavily in demand commodities like oil and gas, uh, most investors saw some of the value of their investments drop this year. Uh, I certainly saw that as a retail investor. Let me tell you, it wasn't great. Uh, But, of course, this whole thing has been accompanied by an extremely tight labor market coming out of the pandemic, and that's had the effect of increasing turnover and wages as many workers, many different occupations, uh, whether they're baristas or consultants, uh, seek better conditions and pay in a job market where they're already desperately needed by many employers. And that low unemployment, in turn, has further fed inflationary pressures, uh, according to some economists. And... uh, I think I believe this. There's actually an optimal amount of unemployment to keep the economy turning along. Um, So when we're not there, there are some consequences uh, further down the line. Uh, Another consequence has been an increase in in interest rates over the course of the year. Anyone who's purchased a home or dealt with a mortgage renegotiation can attest um, that higher interest rates have really pinched Canadians in an already tightening average household wallet. And uh, with the housing market cooling off a little bit, I'd say some people also have uncertainty about what that means for their economic well-being, particularly as many Canadians head into retirement. Um, But on the investment side, while investors in oil and gas have been somewhat happy, uh, those who use energy, uh, which is to say everyone, everywhere, for everything, uh, have been paying the price for increased demand in these products. And that was all set off by the Russia-Ukraine conflict, bit of a domino effect of contracted supply. Uh, OPEC, our uh, lovely neighborhood uh, oil cartel, uh, further restricted its members' output to drive prices even further up. Uh, so, of course, businesses and consumers the world over have been hit hard, and the prices of most goods have gone up, whether that's produce at the store, uh, food at restaurants, or filling up your car. And I would say that all of this protracted economic uncertainty has left me wondering and kind of worried about where Canada is going to go. Uh, and, you know, these high energy prices would be a great thing for Canada if we were able to get major export infrastructure built in time. Unfortunately, we do export a little bit of our oil and gas products uh, beyond the United States, uh, but we're just barely chugging along. So caught up in gazing deeply into our collective belly buttons uh, over the last decade on this file uh, so that we might actually miss the boat while demand is at its highest. Uh, meanwhile, the United States, our biggest customer, needs us less and less every year as it develops its own energy production and gets to benefit from you know, heavily discounted Canadian feedstock. Uh, I would also be remiss not to mention the near collapse in cryptocurrencies this year. An effective halving of most mainstream coins like Bitcoin and Ethereum was capped off this year by explosive uh, allegations of fraud and embezzlement at a popular U.S. exchange, FTX. Uh, they've gone basically bust, and uh, all their uh, top leads 
are facing some kind of criminal charges in the United States right now. Oh, yeah, that has been a huge story there. Now, Margaret, let's dive into the political landscape. I'd like to get your take on what's been happening internationally this year and what it has meant for Canadians. Ultimately, the kinds of questions I've just posed require confident, assertive answers from political leaders. But let's just say I'm not holding my breath just yet. On the uh, global front, I would say nothing has made headlines nearly as much as Vladimir Putin's disastrous invasion of Ukraine. Uh, It came as a real shock early in the year, and unfortunately the conflict has stretched on slowly and with a great toll on human life and the long-term well-being of Ukrainians. Uh, elsewhere in the world, China is also undergoing a massive policy shift right now, uh, finally retreating from its zero-COVID policy, uh, long after most of the world had moved on sometime earlier this year, thanks to effective mRNA vaccines that massively reduced risk uh, from COVID to the elderly uh, in their populations, China was stuck with an inferior vaccine product and, as a result, had to enforce tight controls to reduce transmission and prevent mass sickness. Uh, but you know, that's a Band-Aid that's been aggressively pulled off. Uh, those ongoing lockdowns have been enforced with a fairly heavy hand, including strict domestic and international travel restrictions. And there was a tragedy uh, prompted by a fire in a lockdown apartment building. Uh, Chinese netizens, you know, had had enough. They began to indicate displeasure to even protest uh, against government policy in a way that hadn't been seen in decades. Um, so China had to sh- provide quite a substantial uh, policy shift. Um, And as a result, they're now seeing rapid community transmission of COVID. That's having another wave of impact on an already battered global supply chain. And major manufacturing centers in China are facing labor shortages as a result. Uh, Of course, China is a huge manufacturing powerhouse. Uh, I I would say it's accurate to say that all roads or shipping lanes uh, lead to China these days. So even, you know, the light murmurations of this massive economy cause huge ripples elsewhere in the world. Uh, you know, just look at the wallop caused by the slowdown at Chinese ports earlier in the pandemic. Shipper, shipping containers were practically impossible to come by, and uh, it became a lot harder to secure certain goods, and prices went up globally. Uh, and yet, all of this economic friction uh, with Asia, in relation to Asia, is only gearing up as the U.S. pursues some pretty aggressive moves to undermine China economically. Uh, One notable example of this has been the superconductor slowdown, uh, with the U.S. uh, forcing uh, superconductor expertise um, to basically come back to the U.S. Uh, There's been a couple of major stories as well this year beyond this. Uh, After a year of political chaos in the United Kingdom, which I've loved to follow over the last couple of months, uh, there was a, a brief uh, but disastrous spell of Prime Minister Liz Truss, uh, the death of the United Kingdom's longest-serving monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, uh, and Rishi Sunak ultimately became the United Kingdom's uh, new Prime Minister. Uh, and I think I mentioned this before, uh, notably, he's the first non-Christian in I think over a thousand years to lead the United Kingdom. So pretty interesting news uh, and uh, certainly a win for anyone from the South Asian uh, diaspora community, too. Uh, King Charles uh, has now been coronated, of course. Uh, Elsewhere in Europe, Italy elected a pretty right-wing prime minister, which made some headlines. Uh, On the climate front, uh, massive flooding devastated much of Pakistan, uh, causing lots of heartache and uh, property damage and uh, losses for people and communities. Uh, in Iran, uh, people have been swept up in major protests uh, triggered by the early death of a young woman in police custody after uh, allegedly violating the country's very strict uh, uh, hijab laws. 
uh, which has been a very, very sad story and led to a number of uh, deaths of protesters uh, and even, uh, I've heard, executions. Um, in South America, Brazil's uh, President Bolsonaro uh, was replaced by the former Prime Minister de Silva. Uh, Peru has uh, recently been facing a bout of political crisis, with protests still happening. And to cap off a very eventful year, uh, we also had the World Cup this year in Qatar, uh, and Argentina took the win. Gosh, and what a dramatic final that was, Margareta. Um, now, let's talk about what has been some of the big stories of 2022 in Canadian domestic politics. Well, with um, all those <clears throat> all this change globally, I would say the winds of change have been upon us, and um, the so-called Freedom Convoy. Um, <clears throat> sorry, we'll cough there. No the worries. Freedom if you convoy, need to clear it, go ahead. They occupied our nation's capital for a couple of weeks earlier in the year, and uh, the Prime Minister and uh, his caucus were actually forced to use the Emergencies Act for the first time. Uh, that was. Uh, I would say a necessary move, but also a controversial one. Uh, this fall, we've been seeing some inquiries on the use of the Emergencies Act, whether it was indeed constitutional. There's going to be a report published uh, uh, later next year on uh, whether it was justified. I suspect the answer is going to be probably yes, given that there were major impediments to U.S.-Canada trade that were really, really slowing down uh, our economy for the couple of weeks that this was taking place, not to mention the huge disruption uh, in the lives of uh, all Ottawa citizens. And uh, the consequences of uh, some of the responses to the Freedom Convoy uh, also led to huge political turmoil in a major party, uh, the Conservatives. And uh, because Aaron O'Toole's caucus wasn't confident that he had demonstrated the right type of support for uh, not just the convoy, but uh, Canadians who agreed with the convoy, they booted him out. And uh, that triggered a major race in the uh, Conservative Party's leadership, uh, Pierre Polyarev uh, handily cinched that one a couple months back, and uh, now he's on the track to uh, contest the next federal general election, uh, whenever that may be, probably in a couple of years. A uh, similar sort of thing happened in Alberta. The United Conservative Party voted in a new leader, Danielle Smith, uh, after getting rid of Jason. Uh, she's been making some headlines, uh, good and bad. Uh, some other headlines, very briefly, uh, Hurricane Fiona hit Atlantic Canada, um, that caused a lot of devastation, uh, a lot of power outages, and uh, quite a bit of property damage as well. And uh, I'll just cut that off by mentioning that uh, Pope Francis uh, came to Canada to make a formal apology to Indigenous communities uh, for the uh, role of the Catholic Church in uh, colonization and uh, residential schools in particular. And uh, that was a pretty historic uh, moment, and uh, I'm glad that that recommendation that had been made years back uh, had finally been followed. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, Margareta, any guesses on what we can expect to leave the 2023 headlines? Well, I would say two things internationally, for sure. Um, what's happening in China has really caught my attention. Uh, I'd love to understand more what that means for our economy, uh, you know, here in North America, uh, developed world as a whole, and Canada specifically. Uh, and I'm also curious to see how U.S.-China tensions develop further. Um, I'd love to see things de-escalate. Uh, more conflict is not a good thing. Uh, more conflict is, uh, you know, not just bad for business, but bad for people generally. So it'd be nice to see uh, some cooler heads prevail in uh, geopolitical tensions. Uh, in a similar vein, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, um, wherever that ends up, is going to be interesting. Putin has signaled that they want to negotiate. Uh, not sure where that's going to land, uh, but I'd be curious to see whether... Uh, Russia's relationship with the rest of the world has any chance of being normalized, and more importantly, um, what 
the outcome of the conflict is going to mean for Ukrainians. Uh, you know, I assume we're going to see a lot of people who left Ukraine stay in the rest of the world, particularly in many parts of Western Europe. But I really hope that there's uh, a strong desire, if this conflict is indeed coming to an end, to support Ukrainian people in rebuilding their nation. And finally, domestically, I'd say the thing I'm really looking at is the Alberta election coming up in May. Um, that's going to be underpinned by ongoing debates over environmental policy. Alberta is a major energy producer, so lots of interesting things to watch there. And I hope to see that in the next uh, year, as we deal with all these pressures and uncertainties and economic turmoil around the world, uh, we're able to really take stock of what Canada is good at and what we can offer the world and how we can look out for our own national interest, because ultimately that's what everyone else is doing. Certainly. Wow. So much happened there. You don't even realize it until you tell us all about it. So, Margaret, thank you for the summary. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too.